The theme for the uh, evening talk is uh, action. And take a little bit from the tradition, the Buddhist teachings, and much more uh, from the circumstances uh, of, the, of the daily life. So those of you who are familiar with the teachings and the uh, explorations, there was a rather radical step taken 2,600 years ago when the emphasis was very much solely on meditation, on the asana, and even today in rural India, if you use the word asana, um, it means to sit, whereas in the West there are a whole variety of asanas because of the yoga teaching. And the view at that time, quickly, it was by non-doing and non-activity and by meditating and being still and silent that liberation would come. It's the view. And the view the Buddha departed from the singularity of that view and said that the whole human being has to be addressed. And it's not just about sitting cross-legged, exhausting your old karma or your old samkaras, means your old formations, until you are free and liberated. And broke away from this view that many yogis at that time and still in the Buddhist yogi world still have uh, today. And therefore there was the addressing of the whole human being. And that was then as a path of exploration meant every aspect and the major ones in, of course leading to the subtle ones. Meaning, therefore, as we have touched on here, what is our view? The way we look at things matters, it matters critically. What is the view? And what is the outcome of that view, whatever that might be about? Is it contributing to the resolution of issues, problems and suffering? Or is the view adding and refueling and feeding into it? critical question uh, and then the next is with intentions and purpose uh, the word sam, sam kalpa. and that coming together with intention and purpose can I be clear enough as much as possible with regard to non-violence first one non-harm and non-exploitation. These are three aspects of that. And we follow on with the communications, I mean with speech and with uh, uh, livelihood and with uh, appropriate, skillful, creative effort, with mindfulness and with samadhi, the ability to concentrate both meditation-wise and concentrate and be steady on what is important for us and stay true to it, two aspects. Yeah. It's almost 
in the Buddhist world, in my experience, that right action has kind of ended up as the poor cousin on the Eightfold Path. It's often the one that is, my listening and hearing, generally speaking, which is least referred to. There's lots of talk about view and understanding and discussion. There's much uh, talk about intentions, of course, about our speech, and perhaps about our livelihood and work, uh, and uh, what we need to put some effort in, in a creative way rather than a willpower way. And mindfulness, obviously, that's shot up the popularity list in the last decade or generation or so in meditation, samadhi and concentration. And a little bit, to be fair here, the language which is used to describe uh, action is in the absence of, in the absence of, an ethics, the absence of ethics. Therefore, it's in the absence of intending to kill or to hurt, to steal, to rip off, to cheat, to sexually abuse, and manipulate, to, to lie from all corrupt kind of intentions, and the abuse, the abuse of alcohol and drugs and stimulants and so forth. So what one gets is, out of the absence of, the right action will come. Uh, there. So in the polarities that the Buddha uh, uses, there, he won't speak of, let's say, greed or addiction and some generosity. You won't speak of very much of blame or anger or rage and then switching over to kindness and love and uh, friendship. There's a recognition that in some situations is too big a leap to ask a person. So can one have enough clarity and wisdom for non-anger, non-blame, non-attack, non-violence, non-exploitation. Just have enough to be free from the obstructive. Without making a demand on oneself, I should be more loving, I should be more forgiving, I should be more generous, I should be more compassionate. Not Buddha's Dharma is is in the realism of these things. And you will see that in the mindfulness discourse. One is mindful of greed and one is mindful of non-greed. One is mindful of blame and non-blame. One is mindful of fear, delusion and non. One is mindful of the wandering mind and the non-wandering mind. So in the absence of, in the non, sometimes, and it's applying to some of you here in fact, in the non-doing at the present time, in the absence of the doing, that can and is generating a space to see what to do next. 
Therefore, in the absence of, the absence of the history, the absence of the old job or the old relationship, whatever it might be, that absence of, the non-presence of, gives the opportunity for something to express. And, and therefore, the, there is a liberation to allow something to act to respond and this is called right action that this is the uh, phenomenon and I check this out with the, uh, with the teachings with all this precision and uh, Ula spoke to us a little bit uh, earlier uh, as well that in the looking at action, there are many ways of looking at it, four primary uh, kinds. And um, um, two, uh, three of them, in different ways here. Sometimes, with what we do, we are so interested in our self-interest in it that it's being carried through with the action. What am I going to get out of it? What's it going to do for me? What benefit will I secure uh, out of it? So the action is hooked or tied up with, with the self-interest. And this can be a <laughs> one hell of a problem. There is action as well which is tied up of the self of the other and in all of that of course it's obviously generating a dependency oh will she or he appreciate it will they like it will they get any benefit am I doing it right blah 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 and therefore the action has as a priority the, the other so called self or selves and this also can um, uh, be problematic, obviously, for oneself, and it also can be problematic for the others. Oh, they don't understand me. They're not clear enough. They're not committed enough. They're not blah, blah, blah. And so the blame there, or the action towards the other, in this case people, the other forms, obviously, is such that in the uh, relationship there is a constant measurement. And in the third, it's both. What, what, what in it is good for me? What am I getting out of it? And what are they getting out of it? So sometimes it's me, sometimes it's more the other, and sometimes it's the both. And this applies both to the unhelpful, unhealthy, unwholesome motivations, intentions and it applies equally to the wholesome equally to the doing good as an everyday language for wholesome or healthy, doing good so in the, the doing of good Vigilance is, is it all about me? 
is it all about the uh, uh, other? Is it all about both? Or is it free from all of that? The freedom from all of that is called right action. Not easy, but it's a liberation teaching. <laughs> it's not being nice and comfortable and, no, oh, I'm such a good person teaching. <laughs> the word for both is karma. Literally, stripped of all the Eastern trappings and the Western around this word karma, it, lit it just means action. It's actually a perfect translation of the word. Karma is action. But there is action which is, we'll use the word, stained, meaning it's infected, it, 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 it's wrapped up in doing good or doing harm, let's put it like that. And therefore it's not free because of the self-other-both factor which is going on. It really is not uh, free. And that finding a freedom of the action, which as I say is often hardly spoken about, uh, there. to me is a really valuable and important aspect of being a really rich human being with integrity who is well integrated who um, understands the way of the world to use the Buddha's words here and it's not just about me and my personal liberation it's not just about me and my achievements or attainments or, or or whatever, that there's a real realization of the inseparability, shall we say, of the human being with our environment and each other and the creatures, and therefore an integrative way of life has a rather generally, shall we call it, even view, not just about the others at the expense of oneself. It's not just about oneself at the expense of others. It, that's not clear way of looking. And therefore the right action is free of that. But then, coming to the subtleties uh, with regard uh, uh, to this, in the action which comes, free from um, the unhealthy and the unwholesome. And in the, the, the Christian church theologians have summarized it rather well. They are, there are, they are, there are sins, means unskillful, let's call it like that. There are sins of commission and sins of omission. The sins of commission language you're talking this evening is the deliberate intention to hurt another put them down, rubbish them betray them hurt, um, 
say things behind their back um, and all the other things that might go on. There are things as well in the relationship of sins of omission in which one didn't realise what one was doing. The driving the car too fast to get to work, getting out of touch with what's around and there's an accident and somebody gets hurt. It's a sin of omission. And one knows that one was speeding along or caught up in some mobile phone or whatever it might be, as an, as an exa uh, example. Um, one um, shouts at the children, one's got a habit of it, and isn't realise, omitting to see and recognise that this is hurtful for the children and the children need a really deep apology for being shouted at. So the, the sins of commission, they're quite deliberate. Sins of omission cause suffering and we don't realise we're doing it. And both responsibility, accountability, is part of our practice. So sometimes we don't see we've hurt or harmed or whatever it might be and we need others there. So with the middle way as right action uh, there it is not that a human being is going to be absolutely free it's unrealistic absolutely free of the benefit of action and, it, uh, and we're not going to be in a situation whether it's for others very directly or for animals or the environment or for an organisation a human being is not going to be free from having feelings about the outcome of what we do. I just can't imagine anybody living in a world without those feelings uh, there. Dharmatiji is to recognise when we share, offer, give, engage in action that the, the outcome of that genuinely the feeling inside will be of appreciation the feeling of some joy or happiness I, I was able to do this I was able to offer this or I was able to give my time to I'm talking about small things not some lifelong activity just everyday things that the feeling of appreciation uh, uh, that also from the feeling there can be acknowledgement perhaps I didn't handle it well I've got so much to learn I didn't say the right thing or do the right thing uh, there was some misunderstanding or whatever it will have to produce some unpleasant feeling and correspondingly towards the other the other may get the benefit out of it. We can see the benefit. She or he expresses it to us right here and now, so to speak. And we are happy on their behalf. Can't imagine not being. So it's not an exclusion of feeling. We may engage in an action and the outcome is the last thing that we would wish. 
of the many, many stories of uh, the one that, as I talk, standing out to you in uh, South India, uh, senior heart specialist. This is uh, quite a few years ago. Um, uh, found himself in this difficult situation where his wife had serious heart disease which was life-threatening. In the ethics of the West, in fact, one is, uh, I, I think it probably still stands, one is not allowed to operate on a relative uh, there. And, the, and this is how it was in India. And though he knew he could operate, he, he knew he had the steadiness to be able to do, to do and even though it was his wife on the operating table. He kept to his, the code, understandably, and his a senior did the operation and she died on the operating table. A situation where the heart's intentions you know, couldn't be better. He's got the knowledge and the skill but he doesn't want to do the operation because uh, uh, it's his wife there and because of the, the rules around uh, all of this. And in the best, hands it over to the assistant. He is there. He doesn't know she might have died, she would have died with him operating, doesn't know that. But he's living, had to live with that. I use it as a strong and graphic example that we may engage in, or the other, we may not know what the outcome is, and we may find out it will have to trigger an unpleasant feeling, probably of sadness. And nevertheless, in spite of the response from ourselves, with the feeling tone, pleasant or unpleasant as it may be, in spite of the response from the other, pleasant or unpleasant, in the outcome or in between, it's most of the stress is related to self and other. Most of the exhaustion is related to self and other. We often say, oh, I am doing too much. The action may not be the issue. It may not be. It's the other things which are building up. And one of the most common ones is resistance. That things are building up from oneself, or around, and the resistance is beginning to influence the action, and the resistance then begins to overshadow it. And for some people, because the person cannot say no, so I gave a retreat here, um, here in Germany, and one of the people working in a uh, hospital said that one of his colleagues, who was a wonderful man, very dedicated, really, really uh, committed, extremely kind and compassionate, but could not say no. 
So you'd be asked to do this and be asked to do that, and that was reducing more and more uh, his rest time and sleep time. And of course, when he says yes, and then someone else knows he's kind and soft, and they ask him, etc. He had a heart attack and died at the age of 37. And has to, in this whole process of intentions and mindfulness and relaxation and observation of stress, and really looking <coughs> in this relationship of self and other, it has a place. It's not to deny the everyday understanding about it. It is a recognition of the pleasantness and the appreciations and the gratitudes which can come. It is a recognition of the happinesses that come when we see other people are benefiting from what we're offering. It is a recognition that sometimes we realise the way that we worked was uh, not in the best maybe through omission and not realising or getting caught up somewhere and feeling uncomfortable, unpleasant about it, it is appropriate, gives us a chance for some reflection. And correspondingly and similarly to uh, the other uh, as well. So that contributes then, recognising the feelings in both directions and the expressions with this uh, action, this right uh, action. So that we recognise and acknowledge that we're speaking of liberation uh, and uh, uh, freedom, it's to sense the freedom which is available, confirmed uh, of this freedom which enables and allows this immense diversity I mean, unbelievable amount of diversity, of which only our, our senses and our scientific instruments actually only just touch upon with the diversity that, that's taking place. We just, as we, they tell us, every single snowflake is different from another, mm-hmm. and a heck of a lot of snow falls on this earth. So, all of that, that fr- it's the freedom and the interconnectedness and the mutual influences which really allow this extraordinary diversity uh, which, which is there. And that recognition and appreciation uh, for that, that sometimes out of all of that, as mentioned, sometimes it is finding action or actions uh, uh, in this world and they would hesitate with regard to pretty well anything to speak in long term views I think it, it's a one which one must tread very very carefully with and I'm referring to long term views about career and work and livelihood and long-term views obviously about uh, relationship and uh, long-term views about some commitment or creative activity that we are engaged in. There are two minutes that goes on in life which interrupts these long-term views dramatically sometimes. And if we've 
holding, holding to the long-term view of our actions and he gets interrupted easily disappointment failure it didn't work out right how could I not be able to continue this so sometimes it seems enough in life to look 24 hours ahead but you might take I'm joking you might take it a little uh, further but always the recognition that the dynamics of this diversity may interrupt our life quite significantly a friend said to me I'm really committed to becoming a Buddhist monk and some of my uh, friends become Buddhist monks Buddhist nuns are there and I know for myself the one key thing that enabled myself to take uh, ordination was the fact that in the Thai tradition there is not an expectation of lifelong ordination. It's just not in the thinking. They know well enough things change. People change. They wish to continue change. And the fact that this was stated and told to me very, very clearly that if you wish to leave at some point, you go through the ceremony, you go through the ritual, there is no failure, there is no reason for guilt, there is no problem, you're an adult, you make your decision if you stay or if you, if you go. And that, I thought, wow, I can take ordination because I, it's not the Catholic Church, uh, you know, it's not a marriage until death do us part and all of those romantic ideas. And there's uh, the reality. So after, for me, after the six years um, uh, in the robes, I knew by the fifth year it's coming to its end. That this, the period, this period of my life with much appreciation and gratitude, it is time for change. And one goes through a disrobing uh, ceremony. Of course, the teacher ch- checked out, is it just, you know, an agitated, doubt-ridden state of mind and it's going to change tomorrow. But he knew, no, no, Christopher's gone. <laughs> He's off. And there, so after some, the dialogue and with the disrobing ceremony, you go in the robes and then there's some chanting and then one goes outside, takes off uh, the robe, puts on a uh, 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 takes over the robes, puts on the white, uh, takes off the robes, puts on this sheet, uh, uh, whatever, and then usually three monks or three lay people get three buckets of water. Good job, it's a hot country, and pour the buckets of water over you. And this washes away your monk's karma. That's the, yeah. And then you, then you dry, and then one puts on, for the first time, a pair of trousers, which is rather uh, novel when you just had a longie round your waist and no underpants for six years. It's, oh, trousers, oh yeah, I remember those. <laughs> and, <laughs> and puts on a T-shirt or whatever, goes back inside, then another chant, taking refuge in the Buddha, Dharma Sangha, taking the five 
precepts, sharing any merit that you make in the future with all sentient beings, and then you're out. Then any way of life starts, or whatever. And though there's the symbolic aspect of this, the washing away of the old karma, as it goes, though the word karma, I think it's unfortunate, um, is not used very much in the West in, except in some general, generalised uh, way. Though my daughter and I use it you know, quite, quite regularly we, we, you know, with this. But more importantly is that karma in its precision is the influences in some unsatisfactory way on the present around or involving the mind, which means the heart, the speech, and the activities, the body, of what we do. In its uh, harmful or unhealthy um, expression, of there are all these consequences, but the ending of karma is, as spoken a little while uh, earlier, is more this reference that in the actions, karma without shadow, shall we say, in the actions, one is not suffering over the view here, including the range of feelings and sadnesses and recognitions of error of judgment, those things that happen for us. But one is not suffering over it. One is not beating oneself up over it. And similarly in response to the other. As I just uh, referred to uh, 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 earlier on. And there are situations where there has been an unsatisfactory karma. We haven't seen clearly, including doing good. And we're not seeing clearly we can do a lot, a lot of good and then we burn out. A lot, a lot of good and then we have incredible doubt. A lot, a lot of good, I can't do this anymore. So, sometimes we look at the unsatisfactory karma, the unhelpful karma uh, there, and the understanding may come and the unhelpful aspect, in terms of doing good, simple language, doing bad or doing something wrong, that it stops. It's not that ending of karma is one big go, it all stops in one go. It, just, it one stops. You know, the, the, the person is a smoker, she or he realises the, the future consequences of smoking, and uh, stops the, and the smoking uh, stops it is not easy and if the person uh, as a fairly typical example which many of us I'm sure can relate to stops the, the smoking that reduces dramatically the potential consequences for cancer it doesn't absolutely guarantee or assure but it reduces it dramatically. Uh, there. Because one has ended 
the in that respect the karma that means the unhealthy habitual pattern of the old and we really want to know karma means the unsatisfactory influences impacting upon us and see how that can come to its closure what is a fresh way of looking how can we start again and all of that is a kind of reflection that we're not prisoners to these old unsatisfactory influences which the teachings in the ancient tree, teachings anyway certainly call, call, call it karma without any reference to generalised karma it's gross and defen- offensive we say oh it's their karma this is, this is a tragic and rather horrible um, crude projection and stereotyping it's their karma it's something which looks at from the standpoint of a human's experience and their responsibility and actions not to be used in a widespread way our explorations with our actions making allowances for changes in the future whatever it's well worthwhile in the circumstances of the daily life to really have a sense in life that sometimes we can respond and freely and clearly and it's very little about me it's little about the dependency on the other and to really acknowledge those times when the action feels quite free and natural and clear without an exaggerated place of the self in it and the value of that obviously is then we can more easily rediscover it we know what it is to give something and not be putting pressure on ourselves or another to give something back or get something from it or whatever we just do it and now those small actions of life mean a lot and they are certainly uh, genuinely obviously significant aspect of what all the teachings are about and <coughs> I do think it's valuable and important to bring in the language of action because a little bit too much from, from my view a little bit too much um, is on the meditation side of things uh, there many many people come to these exploration from a, a view of an interest of what is meditation can it be of benefit for me can a deep deep meditation be really uh, supportive and insightful and that's quite often uh, the original motivation and that then can lead to short and long term uh, uh, retreats and or the sangre of activities that's really precious and important but i think from a more rich and full view we need to keep uh, alive in the explorations this expressions and dedications to uh, uh, actions and recognize that 
doing and being are not in conflict with each other. They are beautifully integrated uh, uh, together and our exploration is not one, that means meditation, yeah, at the expense of the other. All right, thank you for uh, lending an ear. Let's have a, a minute or two silence. May all beings see clearly any influences of the past upon the action. May all beings be free to allow wise action to express itself. May all beings live with love and wisdom. Thank you.